This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader the station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. About to hear the most interesting, informative, thought-provoking, opinion-leading, and funny show in America on air and on the World Wide Web. This is the Rob Carson Show. This is the Rob Carson Show, and I am not sitting in a pair of uh, sweatpants and a t-shirt in my home studio as I normally do. <laughs> I had to get cleaned up. No, I never wear sweatpants and. I mean, I, I don't get dressed up, but it, no, we're in New Hampshire. We're in New Hampshire. And we are broadcasting live from the Pulse of New Hampshire and uh, was on with Jack Heath this morning. We have somebody in the studio, Vivek Ramaswamy. Got to get this right away because he's in a hurry. But Vivek Ramaswamy, welcome to the show. You are the only, uh, uh, I think, the only other than Trump, America first candidate in the race so far. I appreciate that because it is a movement. America first is bigger than Donald Trump. It is bigger than me. It is about the people of this country. And I respect the heck out of Donald Trump, and I'm not going to sit here and trash him like many other people want me to do. I think his election in 2016 was a super important milestone in this country in stopping the inevitable march of the left. But I'm in this race to take that agenda to the next level. Okay. You know, the wall, we built the wall, that's great, but they're building tunnels underneath that wall. I've said I want to use the U.S. military to close those southern border Swiss cheese of holes. Yeah. That's what we're going to do. Or take the U.S. Department of Education. He put a good person on top of it, Betsy DeVos, but the right answer is we have to now take the next step yeah. and shut it down. And so for me, this is about what are we running to? We've been running from something for a long time as conservatives. What are we running to? And I think that means we have to revive our national identity. Well, and I agree. And uh, one of the things that the left has been uh, uh, allowed to do, and I like to call them the class of 1968. They were the. Yep. There's a class of 1968. Uh, Barack Obama was the first progeny of that class. Hmm. The parents were Bill Ayers, Dur Bernadine Dorn, and that ilk of boomer leftist mm -hmm. communists. They brought that to the table. Obama was the first progeny of that, and then uh, millennials were the first group of people who went through that indoctrination fully from primary school through college. That's what we're fighting against right now. That's exactly right. But I think they really have overreached, particularly with with a Gen Z, uh, with regard to COVID restrictions and all of this nonsense CRT. And I think we're going to see a burgeoning return to uh, the country has founded freedom of speech, etc. And, and, and that's where I think you're, you're hitting, out, hitting out of the ballpark. Well, I think young people have that revolutionary spirit in them. Yeah. And I am personally optimistic. We're on the hair's trigger of a national revival where you have a government for the last few years have said the people cannot be trusted with the truth. We need to, to tell them noble lies about COVID-19 and the origin of the pandemic. We need to tell them lies about the Hunter Biden laptop story or the collusion or the corruption. We must lie about government technology censorship. We have to lie and hide that Nashville transgender shooters manifesto. A government that repeatedly lies to its people. And I think that we're in a moment where we the people are saying, you know what? We can handle the truth. Mm -hmm. And that is what this campaign is all about. 
standing up for the truth without apology. What are you going to do about the uh, the uh, the organizations that sponsored government censorship? The the there was a censorship industrial complex. We know that oh, yes. from the Twitter files, etc. What are you going to do? And I'm not just about disbanding it. What are you going to do about holding people responsible for yes. these abuses? So one of the things I've said is on day one, I'll have a directive across the executive branch. Any time a member of the federal bureaucracy has pressured a private actor like a company to do something that the government couldn't do directly, such as censoring speech, we will publish it. We will roll that log over and see what crawls out. My job is then to bring the past aside. Deliver accountability. The next time a government leader like Anthony Fauci or Merrick Garland or James Comey reaches beyond their legally ordained scope, we have to fire them. Fire the managerial industrial complex around them. Fire the legions of people under them. And if there are legal violations, hold them accountable in the same way that any other government bureaucrat who broke the law would be held accountable as well. That is the path to truth. The path to truth runs through transparency. Yes. We have to revive that transparency. Mm-hmm. Right now we have a government that almost it's, it's native instinct. It's like it's muscle memory is to hide whatever it is that comes out. Yeah. My impulse is the opposite. Make it apparent to the public that's how we rebuild trust. You um, you mentioned an American revolution, and I and I believe we're under that. I think we <clears throat> we are at a pre-revolutionary period. I've I've talked about this for a while. Um, I believe that the uh, we we are going to return to common sense from nonsense, and that's what we've been told to believe. Nonsense. Uh, I don't know what the reasoning was behind uh, that. I I believe it was based in Maoist politics. It's fairly clear, but I think the American people have had uh, enough of it. Let me ask you this question: um, You are in uh, a hyphenated. American. Mm. And I normally don't like to hyphenate Americans. I don't either. But I have always been amazed by the successes of the Indian people coming here as a template for uh, creating greatness in a country other than their country of origin and becoming Americans and recognizing the pride of that. Mm -hmm. Why does Kamala Harris not recognize uh, the fact that she is the first Indian American vice president? It's because she's ashamed and afraid to do it. Here's why. She would rather call herself a black woman because that's a victimhood currency that pays off. Yes. Victimhood has become a currency in the United States of America. It's like a bubble. When that currency is trading at an all-time high, you try to cash it in. Would she have gotten that job if she weren't black American? No doubt about it. The answer is no. Yeah. The voters didn't want her. Mm -hmm. She hasn't achieved anything meritocratically before. But wielding your identity politics status as a weapon, as a currency to get ahead, that's become the habit in this country. And that's not good for black people. It's not good for Indian people. It's not good for white Americans. It's bad for all of us. We should see one another once again, not on the color of our skin, but on the content of our character. Get ahead in this country based on a colorblind meritocracy. That's what I want to restore. And the funny thing is, and I've noticed this, it's, it's interesting, Rob, is now people say that's actually colorblindness itself is racist. Of course it is. Think of how far we've come. But do you know, that's why they, they always claim you're an ist or an ob, uh, you have an obia or whatever when yeah. they want to shut you down. That's it. 
Uh, Shut up, sit down, do as you're told. That's the mantra of our time. But I just think that uh, I think it's a a real tragedy. It was a real opportunity. I remember when Donald Trump was a president, he filled a a stadium with Indian Americans there to Mm -hmm. see the uh, prime minister. And and uh, and there was I I think that uh, we need to uh, go back to that, that, uh, you know, see America and for lack of a better cliche, the uh, shining city on the hill. And I still think it exists that it exists in the hearts of people who want to come here. (laughs) Unfortunately, the left has uh, derided the the country so badly uh, that uh, that we've forgotten about the, you know, the successes of But of we can people. remember it again, yeah. right? We call it the American dream for a reason. Yeah. I feel like we're in this zone where we woke up from that dream. And when you wake up from a dream, you forget what it was about, but you still remember what it felt like. At least you do for a little bit. That's where I think we are in our national life. We remember that. Don't let it disappear. No. This is our moment. We don't have a lot of time to work with. This is what gives me my sense of urgency. I'm 37. Yes, I'm young, but I have a sense of urgency to do this now, especially for young Americans who have lost their national identity. And I still think we can revive it. If we, if we proceed with clarity and urgency, and that's what I'm bringing to the table. We have uh, spent too much time focusing on the one guy kneeling during the anthem, not the 65,000 who stand yes. for it. Uh, and and, and I'm, I'm, perf- I'm perfectly fine. Of course, uh, you know, offensive speech is the, the speech we need to protect because it's the, you know, the, but, but honestly, we focus too much time on the Kaepernicks and the whatevers and not on the people who weep when they see the national or hear the national anthem. Then, then I think that we're getting, we can leave that behind. Uh, you, just real quick, I want to wrap this because I know you're busy, uh, but we had this conversation about how um, how grateful, despite the turmoil in the country, I am to witness this, to witness this uncovering of this deep state, to witness the malfeasance of the press and all of these things. I, I, it is painful, but I feel like the last three or four years, all of this has been presented to us, and, and we are witnessing uh, a transformation because of it. So I feel grateful, despite oh. all the BS and the indictments and the whatever, that at least the left is exposing their plan, laying it bare so we can beat it. And you know what? That's an optimistic way to look at this that I share with young people. Imagine what it would have been like to be alive in this country in spring of 1776, right? The founding fathers, Thomas Jefferson, was in his mid-20s when he sat down to write the Declaration of Independence. Think about that. A guy in his 20s wrote the greatest mission statement for a nation in human history. So so, so think about this as, as Thomas Jefferson. I tell, remind young people of this all the time. He was in his 20s, in his mid-20s, when he wrote the Declaration of Independence, the greatest mission statement known to mankind. And the funny thing is he actually, you and I are sitting on swivel chairs. <laughs> Thomas Jefferson literally invented the swivel chair while he was writing the Declaration well, of Independence. Well, I am sitting on history right you now. You really Thank are. You <laughs> and what a special time to be alive now. Yeah. Because yeah. it is one of those moments where, yes, there's a lot of reasons for despair, just like our founding fathers had back then. But I think we live in a special moment. And again, I think that's the choice we face in this election, even in this GOP primary. Do you want reform or do you want revolution? And I stand on the side of the American Revolution. It is a special time to be alive if we open our eyes and see it that way. Mm-hmm. and then act accordingly to revive those ideals. So uh, I've heard you already asked about uh, possibly if you would, would you consider a VP, blah, blah, blah. We've already been there. I'm not going to ask you that question. Uh, but when you're considering a vice president, um, obviously everybody says, well, we've got to get South Carolina. We've got to get this state. We gotta I have a feeling you're not going to uh, steer that direction. You'll see the positives of bringing, but you also need that ideology. What is the kind of person, what are the, what are the things that you must hear from a potential vice presidential? The first thing is they share my vision. They must, whoever those candidates are, and we're starting to think about it, 
they're going to have to share my vision of radical reform in this country, not incremental reform. Gutting the administrative state is the top domestic priority. Declaring independence from our enemy, communist China, is my top foreign policy priority. They're going to have to have both deep knowledge of how to get those things done, as well as, and this is important, a deep commitment to getting those things done. I think this is a president, this is a mistake that many presidents make, is they think they have to get somebody who will help them get a few extra votes, but they don't actually have deep alignment Mm -hmm. with that vice president. I look at it the other way around. I want somebody who has deep alignment in my pro-American vision without apologizing for it. And personally, I think the way we unite this country is not through compromising on our principles. It is by being uncompromising about the principles that make us American. And that's why I'm in this race. I uh, Finally, I, I've quoted this many times because I've seen the direction of, uh, of uh, what people are thinking. And 74% of the American people believe the country is going in the wrong direction. There's only one reason for that. It's the man in the White House and the people in charge who are pulling the strings. That's it. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, what's going to happen to him? Uh, who do you suppose is going to be? Do, do you think you're going to be running against Joe Biden? I do not. I think I'm going to be running against Gavin Newsom or Michelle Obama or the next puppet they trot along. How are you going to appeal to Democrat voters? I say 74% believe the country's going the wrong direction. means 74% would come together to save her. I agree with that. How do you you grab those Democrats who who are Trump haters? They look at the Republican as Trump party. How do you bring them across? Here's the thing. I'm saying many of the same things that Trump is saying. I'm going further in some cases. But I'm not driving 30% of this country into psychiatric illness. And that's going to be an advantage. I think my age works in that favor. My story, the fact that I'm a first-generation American who's lived the American dream, those things work in my favor, and I'm going to use them. One of the things, Rob, we're seeing in this campaign is, get this, 40% of the 70,000 donors we have are first-time ever donors to the GOP of any kind. For a normal Republican, that number is 2%. So when I'm on the campaign trail, I don't talk about Republicans and Democrats. I don't. In fact, I think we have a lot of rot in the Republican Party itself, if we're to be honest about this. I talk about whether we are pro-American. Do we stand for those 1776 ideals? Do we stand for the ideals this nation was founded on? Or are you, like Kamala Harris, for example, fundamentally anti-American? Do you wish to apologize for a nation founded on those ideals? And if you divide it up that way, it is easily 80-20 in our favor. Amen. And half the 20 are people younger than me who never learned those ideals in the first place. We're going to bring them along, too, and deliver a landslide like Ronald Reagan did in 1980. That's what I'm delivering in 2024. I appreciate your time today. It's been a real pleasure to, to meet you, actually. Yeah. Really, really. I've been wanting to talk to you for a long time, and, and you have, uh, you have uh, absolutely solidified how I thought about you. And, uh, and, I, and I believe you're very, very sincere, uh, more so than many. Uh, politicians I've met in the past, so I wish you the very best, sir. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's good to be here in person. You bet. All right, guys, so that is uh, Vivek Ramaswamy. I have uh, some interviews today I'm going to share with you from New Hampshire, including, are you ready for this? Mike Pence. I know, I'm going to interview Mike Pence. Also, Nikki Haley as well, as we take in the sights and sounds of New Hampshire. And also, your phone calls are welcome here, guys. What did you think of Vivek? 800-922-6680. My thoughts on meeting the man, spending the last couple of hours with uh, Mr. Ramaswamy, and then uh, much more coming up. You are listening, my friends, to The Rob Carson Show live in New Hampshire.
Hi, it's Tony Marino, host of the Newsmax Daily Podcast, your daily news bulletin of Newsmax's top headlines, along with commentary from our hosts and experts. You can learn more about all of the free podcasts, including Newsmax Daily, Rob Carson, and Jerry Callahan at Newsmax.com slash listen. This is the Rob Carson Show. We are broadcasting live from uh, New Hampshire, the Pulse of New Hampshire, WTSN, WTPL, and WEMJ. This is uh, my first time in uh, the state of New Hampshire. I haven't had a chance to see much of it. Um, I came in yesterday, uh, much delays uh, flying out of the Kansas City area, and uh, and then arriving last night. And uh, I have been in the studio here for uh, a number of uh, hours. It's interesting. It's it's a beautiful facility. It's in an old elementary school, and they've made it into this uh, broadcast uh, haven. And and I'm going to tell you, the show is uh, is is about the candidates today. The show is about the primary process. Uh, obviously, there is much to get to with regard to news this afternoon. We know that Donald Trump is going to be indicted. We know that that is, uh, I know in my heart, of course, it's another uh, specious attempt to keep him from running. And it's going to fall on its face. I actually am glad that I had the day off yesterday to travel because uh, I was uh, really pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> really, really, really mad. And then I got a chance to, I was watching MSNBC this morning, and despite all of the, the seven years of, of nonsense and falderall and, and millions, I mean, $30, 50000000 million spent to try to take Donald Trump down with the, uh, the Durham probe and the Mueller report and all of that and, and all of this, and here we come to yesterday, and it's like none of that ever happened on MSNBC. It's like none of it ever happened. Oh, my God, we've got Donald Trump this time. I mean, this is, and you've been wrong every time. It's the same thing about end-of-world predictions. You know, the one thing that end-of-world predictions have in common? Uh, None of them have come true. And I got to tell you, I I didn't want to spend a lot of time on it because it's nonsense. Obviously, we have to address it. But you know, as well as I do, that clearly this is part of a political witch hunt of the person who the deep state is most afraid of. Now, you just heard Vivek Ramaswamy, and he is as impressive as I thought he would be. I knew that Vivek Ramaswamy was going to be amazing when I met him. Now, does this make me a Ramaswamy voter? No, 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 not this election cycle. I have made very clear who my intentions are to vote for Donald Trump because I uh, believe that, that he... He is owed a second term. That's part of it. I also think he is the best solution to dissembling the deep state in Washington, D.C. I also think that uh, there are a lot of people in this country, tens of millions, who want, uh, they want to, uh, they want payback for what they've been through. They want payback for the abuses and usurpations. Donald Trump likes to use the the line, I'm your, uh, I am a retribution. It's not about revenge. It's not about anger, although there's a lot of anger. But it is about making, holding those accountable for malfeasance, whether that be uh, lying to people or uh, shutting down freedom of speech or using the Justice Department as a weapon against political candidates uh, who are the opposite of who are in power right now, the Democrat Party. 
But I'm going to tell you, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, and, and, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on, uh, on that, 800-922-6680. If this were any other year, if this were any other year, if this were a normal primary year, and I, and I was talking to Jack Heath, the, uh, uh, the main guy here at the Pulse of New Hampshire, who has his, his uh, finger on the pulse of the country and the voters in New Hampshire. And, and even he uh, believes that we are ready for a revolution. Um, and, and Ramaswamy, I got to tell you, if it were any other year than this, and, and Jack also, he admits this is a different, everything's out the window. Because the Democrat Party is betting now with Joe Biden. The Republican Party has a giant field of people. But they've got Donald Trump, and Donald Trump is not a candidate. He's a movement. He is a movement. So we're going to be talking to Nikki Haley here very shortly, an interview I recorded earlier. I want you to hear what she had to say. Your calls are welcome at 800-922-6680. This is The Rob Carson Show, broadcasting live from New Hampshire. Information. Truth. Is freedom. Is Newsmax. It's real news for real people. And the number is 800-922-6680. The uh, Rob Carson Show. Broadcasting from the Pulse of New Hampshire in Concord. We're in Concord, New Hampshire. My first, uh, my first time visiting New Hampshire. And um, I had the opportunity to hang out with uh, Jack Heath, who is the, uh, the voice of the Pulse of the New Hampshire. He's uh, plugged into New Hampshire politics like no one that I've ever uh, uh, listened to speak before. And I, I just, it's so refreshing to see an electorate so involved as uh, as they are in New Hampshire. And I was talking to my, my friend Lee, who is my boss, about that uh, this is traditional liberalism. The, the, the ability to be able to listen, to be able to share your opinion, to be able to uh, hear the opinions of others, even when you disagree, that is traditional liberalism. But unfortunately, liberals decided uh, 35 years ago plus that liberal no longer meant open-minded. It meant to shut down your opponent at all costs, and we're seeing that right now with the persecution of Donald Trump. Uh, They are not interested in having an even fight. They are not interested in having a political discussion. They are only interested in, because they have no chance of winning over the hearts and minds of Americans on issues, on common sense, so they have to use the government, they have to use the DOJ, to shut down and destroy the opposition. That's what we are witnessing once again with this indictment by uh, Jack Smith. It's another instance, and we've, we've seen this before. It's all, it is all tied to the news cycle. It is all tied to whatever is discovered about a Biden family criminality. It, it's a timeline. It has happened like clockwork. There is no doubt about it. And as much as MSNBC and CNN would like to feast on this latest indictment is somehow being different than all of the rest, if anything, it's much weaker. Because it is uh, based on the premise that Donald Trump knew that he lost the election and still tried to overturn the results. Uh, Donald Trump believes the election was fraudulent, as do 
99% of his his uh, voters. I'm just saying that. I'm just saying it. Uh, and so, as far as uh, as Donald Trump believing or not believing that he uh, he uh, he lost, he of course believes he won. So uh, try to show some tape of Donald Trump saying, "Yeah, you know, I lost, but I'm going to fight anyway." Now, just just try to find it. It's one of the many uh, the many, and and it was it was interesting. We talked to Mike Pence earlier today, and I'm going to share the interview after the top of the hour with Mike Pence and and Mike Pence. Uh, uh, political differences aside, um, I, I profoundly disagree with Mike Pence. Uh, I believe Mike Pence is a uh, traditional uh, Paul Ryan Republican. Uh, I, I believe the same of uh, some of the other candidates. Obviously, all of the candidates, I believe, uh, with regard to the Republican field, other than Vivek Ramaswamy, who we spoke to a little while ago. I think they would be very content with getting the office of the presidency and continuing business as usual as the Republican Party has done. I think that you you would see some differences. I think Nikki Haley would, would change some things. She'd go after some agencies. I believe there would be some of that. But I believe as far as... Um, I'm doing a lot of believing. Uh, as far as uh, what I believe is the, the future of the GOP is not with the Paul Ryan wing of the GOP. It's not with the... Uh, the, the uh, I'm trying to remember some of the other people who've been involved with uh, the GOP, but 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 the GOP is not is changed. It's changed forever, and if uh, it's changed to become an America First uh, party, uh, it's 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 we're never going back to the oh let's just talk about saving Social Security or let's just talk about this issue. All of the things that Washington D.C. says it's going to fix, but never does, and uh, the GOP is not going to go back to that. So I don't believe that uh, candidates like Mike Pence uh, stand a chance. And it's, it should be fairly obvious. Look at how he's polling now. But we, we, we gave him the mic a little while ago. We're going to give it to him. Uh, you'll, you'll hear that interview a little after the top of the hour. I do want to go to the Nikki Haley interview we did this morning. We're talking to Nikki Haley about uh, the fact that all the talk right now and, and through the primary process is going to be about Donald Trump. There's there's no doubt about that because of, uh, you know, the 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 mainstream media, the DOJ, they're targeting him. And so it's going to be how does she cut through that? Here's what she had to say. I'll just play the rest of this. You're going to hear Jackie this part of the interview as well. But how does she cut through the fact that Donald Trump is going to be the center of attention here on out? Well, I think, first of all, you know, if you are trying to earn the support of the people in the Granite State, you have to show up and you know, you can't go and, and win their support if you're absent. And I think that Donald Trump needs to be on the debate stage. You know, you can't go and criticize Biden for not debating Kennedy when Trump's saying he's not going to debate us. I think, it, you know, this is a new election. It's a different time. Um, I think he's got to show up. You know, I've been one to say he was the right president at the right time. I don't think he's the right person to go forward and carry our country forward. So I think that he needs to be up there and, and show why he can be and talk about what he's going to do. You know, we've heard him talk a lot about the past. We need to hear him talk about the future. And I haven't heard that yet. Uh, Carson. Nick, Nikki, this is Rob Carson. It's, it's a pleasure to, to talk to you finally. Uh, I've been following uh, the politics for a number of years. Let me ask you this. If Donald Trump is not on the stage, how much time should he be devoted to talking about Donald Trump and the issues that he faces versus the issues that the country faces and how you're going to change the country from what Joe Biden has done to it? 
You know, that's a great question because, you know, unlike the other candidates, I didn't rush out with a statement yesterday on Trump's indictment for one simple reason. Like most Americans, I'm tired of commenting on every Trump drama. I've lost track of whether this indictment is the third, fourth, or the fifth. We should be focusing on how to stop China. We should be focusing on how to close the border. We need to be reversing Bidenomics. Putting a 77-year-old former president in prison doesn't do any of that. We've got to move on already. And, you know, I've said that January 6th was a terrible day. I've also said that Donald Trump bears some responsibility for what happened. But Trump didn't attack the Capitol. It's not a crime to say that you think an election was stolen. He he should not be prosecuted for that. I think the Justice Department has become way too political. We see that with how they're letting Biden off and how hard they're coming on Trump. And I think that's the reason we need to talk about it. So I talk about I hope that what we're talking about are how we go forward, the things that we need to do to get our country back on track. That's the focus. And we've got issues, whether it's the debt and inflation, whether it's the lack Mm -hmm. of transparency in schools, whether it's high crime, whether it's an open border or whether it's the national security threats that we're facing from China. Those are the things we should be talking about on the debate stage. And, and Governor Jack here, real quickly, you talk about the Department of Justice. I've said on my show in some commentary, but I'm out running for president, and I respect you for that. Uh, Merrick Garland, the DOJ, all the noise and reacting to Trump, 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 and I don't know how CNN gets through a day now. It's going to be, talk about the Trump Chiron and the news stories after tonight. It'll be all day tomorrow. But do you think Merrick Garland should be the Attorney General? Do you think there are credibility questions with the DOJ? The American people no longer trust the Department of Justice. The American people no longer just trust the intelligence agencies. We have to replace the heads of every agency, but we've got to replace all of senior management. You know, when I was governor, we went into, as governor, I replaced the head of every agency, but I sent people into every agency to clean it up, to get rid of bureaucracy, to get rid of red tape, but to also get rid of problem children. And in some cases, we tweaked agencies. In other cases, we gutted agencies. I fully expect to do that as president as well. But the Department of Justice has lost all trust. And because of that, it warrants the fact that we have to seriously make revisions to that agency. Let me ask you, this is Rob Carson again, by the way. What about the rest of the deep state? Um, I would venture to say that uh, the uh, the Justice Department is the tip of the spear. I would also say that people distrust a lot of other agencies with regard to the government. And I think we also have seen how these agencies have abused the First Amendment, among other things. What would you do with regard to the federal government, what what would be uh, would you be would you be uh, up for downsizing some of these agencies dramatically and and eliminating some of them and returning to the power to the states? What I'm going to do is make sure that we simplify the federal government. What I mean by that is let's push all of those things down to the state. So think education, think health care, think benefits, think welfare, all of those things. Presidents typically meet with their governors once a year. I'm going to meet with our governors, Republican and Democrat, once a quarter with the sole goal of reducing the size of the federal government and giving it to the states. I think we need to have vocational classes back in our high schools. The oh, vocational yes. classes in, in South <laughs> Carolina God, would be would be <laughs> very different than, <laughs> than the vocational classes in California. Yeah, so yeah. if we send the money down, states can decide that. When it comes to welfare, let each state decide welfare benefits. Don't have that come from D.C. When it comes to education, send those dollars down to the states and let them handle that. So you're going to see me really reduce the size of the federal government and empower the people in every state. That's what we have to do. 
Governor Nikki Haley, on your way to New Hampshire next week. I just want to ask you and thank you for joining us as our first uh, live presidential 2024, hopeful live in our primary primer. Good morning, New Hampshire, the Pulse of an Edge. Governor, you, unlike some of your competitors on that stage now, as this field on the Republican side grows, China, Tehran, Ukraine, Vladimir Putin, you have that background as ambassador to the United Nations in the in the Trump era or administration. I presume you're running for the top spot in the Republican race here to be the nominee. But presuming, and some people would say that this is Trump's primary to lose, regardless of all the legal distractions, if Donald Trump were to be the nominee again, and that could happen, it may not. Governor Sununu here doesn't think it will, but if it did, um, and he's moving on, and if he were to get reelected in 2024, and we don't know, that's like predicting the uh, Super Bowl right now of football, would you consider a role in this administration if it was a Trump administration again or not, or are you just running just for president? I mean, Jack, I don't play for a second. I've never played for a second. I'm not going to start now. What I'll tell you is there is no one else on the debate stage who's had to actually negotiate with these countries the way I have. I know the threats of China. America's asleep at the wheel. You basically have China. They're buying up our U.S. soil um, and and primarily, but near our military installations. They're basically lobbying through Chinese front companies, our members of Congress. They're giving millions of dollars to our universities to steal our research and to go put Chinese propaganda out there. They are sending fentanyl. We've had more people die from fentanyl than the Afghanistan, Iraq, or Vietnam wars combined, and China knows exactly what they're doing when they're doing that. They're modernizing their military. I mean, we now see they have the largest naval fleet in the world. They have 350 ships. They'll have 402 years. We won't even have 350 in two decades. I mean, think about all that China is doing to infiltrate mm-hmm. our country. While America keeps thinking they're going to deal with China tomorrow, we've got it. China's dealing with us today. We've got to start taking them on. We've got to start being strong about that. We've got some serious right. issues, whether it's China, whether it's Russia, whether it's Iran, whether it's North Korea. We need someone who understands you've got to be tough with these countries, and you've got to let them know what we expect of them and stop being right. reactionary. Governor Nikki Haley, thanks for uh, being our first candidate out of the gate. Uh, see you in New Hampshire next week. Former Governor of South Carolina, Republican presidential hopeful. Thank you. Go to NikkiHaley.com and join us. All right, there you go. That is the uh, interview we recorded with Nikki Haley earlier today. And if you listen to some of her positions with regard to China and whatnot, I don't believe she'd be taking that position had Donald Trump not been the president of the United States and, and is, uh, is a candidate right now. That's one of the reasons why. Uh, in any other year, what she's saying might resonate with people. Uh, clearly, uh, some of the things that she said were right. Is she the right person right now? No. She says that Donald Trump is not the right person right now. Uh, how is she? <laughs> you know, considering what the country's going through. But it was a, it was a real pleasure uh, being able to talk to her. Uh, if you'd like to talk about any of this, 800-922-6680. Again, we are broadcasting live from uh, New Hampshire, the uh, capital of uh, New Hampshire, which kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, Annapolis, kind of, except for it's more, uh, there's no ocean nearby. It's, uh, it's a quaint, wonderful little town uh, and uh, with a lot of very, very educated and involved uh, political uh, individuals. Uh, they, they take their politics very seriously. I do too, when I'm not making fun of it. Let's take a break and come back. You are listening to The Rob Carson Show. This, my friends, is a special edition of The Rob Carson Show, but aren't they all special? 
We're broadcasting live from the Pulse of New Hampshire in Concord, New Hampshire. My very first time uh, visiting New Hampshire, and I'm uh, I'm really enjoying it. Really, really enjoying it. And I believe we have uh, a New Hampshire resident on the phone, uh, Bill in New Hampshire. Welcome to the Rob Carson Show. How are you, sir? I'm fine, thank you. How are you today, bud? I'm I'm glorious. I was I was trying to figure out when I was here last night. What, what do you, where do you eat in Concord? What's Concord known for? And I and I didn't get any answer. But I'm gonna I'm gonna get. I, I assume seafood is probably big around here. Uh, I'll have to I'll have to exp- over near the over near the ocean. Seafood is yeah, popular. of course, of course. Where do you live, my friend? Where do you live? I I live six miles north of where you're broadcasting from right now. Oh, excellent! I'll meet you for a cocktail later. <laughs> no, sorry, I don't drink. <laughs> Neither do I. <laughs> It'd be the most boring happy hour ever. So what are your thoughts? You say you're a Trump supporter. Yes, sir. All the okay. way. I, I share yeah. your views about Donald Trump, and I believe yeah. that President Trump never even had his first chance in office. Yes. Everything he tried to do, he was stopped immediately, yeah. although he had awesome ideas. He came into office. He dropped gas prices immediately. Yeah. Inflation wasn't an issue. You know, he was on top of all the issues, all the top issues that Americans stand for. He said, I'm going to build that wall, and he made sure all the wall petitions are in Texas, ready to be erected, stood up in a line. Yeah. So we would have never had the problem of, in, of all these immigrants flowing into our country if they had just followed his lead and put the wall in place. And, and I'm going to also mention he was also the first outsider we've seen in Washington, D.C. for a number of years, and he was surrounded by a pack of wolves. He was surrounded by a pack of wolves, every one of them attempting, in concert with the mainstream media, to take him down at every step of the way, and he still accomplished everything until the election yes. year when they literally created 2020 of whole cloth to throw things. Right. Yes, sir. He sure did. But, you know, now there's another issue that most American taxpayers never even understand. He went into the White House, and he never took his salary. But now, all right, I understand that. That's a very key thing. You work four years for the country, and you're doing it for the love of the country. But not to take your salary, but then his son said the most important point. My dad had to pay taxes for all that money he never received. Yeah. And you, you know, know what? I, he, paid, go ahead. he paid to be the president. He he literally paid. And and the guy had so many morals that this country just is losing. You know, he stood up and he said, I'm your American president. I speak for you. In God we trust, and the flag should be put back in classrooms so that children understand that this country is very important for their future. And he wasn't lying. He was telling it the way it is. And, And another thing about Donald Trump is the only thing that has kept Donald Trump from being discarded into the waste bin of history is, A, he's got enough money to defend himself to the tune of tens of millions of dollars, and B, he is not giving up. He is the most strong-willed individual I have ever seen. He is the only person I've ever seen uh, who behaves like an MMA fighter when it comes to being attacked. And i got to tell you, not everybody else could have been able, and I think Donald Trump is the first person who has ever been able to say, bleep you with regard to money and bleep you with regard to trying taking him down. He never gives up. And I got to tell you, uh, I doubt that people like Nikki Haler or Mike Pence, they would wither under such criticism. And they certainly could not uh, handle the demands of the legal system being used as a weapon against them. 
I think that makes Donald Trump uniquely powerful and, and a unique outsider and makes him perfect for the role of the leader of a movement and not as a candidate. Exactly, sir. Exactly. And it's not really the movement. He stands for what we all stand for. Yes. You know, to have our country thought of as first, to have gas prices down so that we're not paying every penny at the pump to try to just go to work and come home. You know, I mean... The food prices weren't through the roof when he yeah, was listen, in office, but they listen, were when I, Obama was in office. And I got I got it. I got to run. I apologize. I'm against a hard break in a strange studio. <laughs> uh, let's take a break. You are listening to the Rob Carson Show. Like the show? You can help by subscribing and leaving a five star review on both Apple and Spotify. It's free. Big news from the app world. Millions have downloaded the Newsmax app. It's one of the most popular apps on both iPhones and Android devices. Plus, it's free. So go to your app store now and you'll get easy access to Newsmax.com for top news. Plus, you can watch Newsmax TV anytime, anywhere. And remember to sign up for app notifications so you never miss a breaking news alert from Newsmax. Download the free app now. Takes just seconds. Newsmax TV. Watch us anytime, anywhere.